I love a good, lazy day. I think I'm ready for a nap, actually. There we go. I'm awake again. Um, I love a good, lazy day. Um, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't happen very often, uh, but when it does, mm, you know, I, I mean, like, so lazy, I don't want to get dressed kind of lazy, right? Showering is for the insecure, um, you know, and you, and you just sort of, you do nothing, right? It's, it's rare, but I, but I love it. Anybody struggle with their laziness? Maybe, maybe struggle like, like Jim Gaffigan? Let's, let's watch. I struggle with my laziness. I'm like, should I sit down and do nothing, or should I lie down and do nothing? <laughs> You'd think lazy people like me would have been weeded out by natural selection. I can't imagine someone like me in pioneer times. I really got to harvest those crops or my eight kids aren't going to make it through winter. I'll have other kids. <laughs> I got to get back to staring at the barn. It's fun doing nothing. But if you do nothing for too long, the most menial task is exhausting. You're like, I actually have to point the remote control? What is this, the 50s? Can't I just look at the TV and it'll know what I want to watch? You ever been watching TV for a couple hours and you suddenly lose the remote? <laughs> I haven't even gotten up. <laughs> I don't remember throwing it. Well, looks like I'm watching this infomercial. Okay, well, at least, at least we're not that bad, right? Let's, let's start there. We're not, we're not as bad as, as Jim Gaffigan. Um, but I did, a, I did a little research, okay? I Googled, Googled laziness, um, and in the top, top three hits, right, the, the third article there is rather intriguing. How to overcome laziness. Sounds good, right? 26 steps with pictures. <laughs> like, I didn't even know what to say. I mean, it's like, you're so lazy, you need pictures, and yet 26 steps? I mean, so I, I didn't even read that one. I figured, why bother, right? Um, but besides, I mean, most of us, don't look the least bit lazy, right? I mean, one, one glance at your schedule or the bag un, bags under your eyes. We're not lazy, are we? You're successful at your job. You're about to win parent of the year. If anything, your life is frenzied, not lazy. At least that's how I prefer to think of myself. <sighs> but I am. Quickly, somewhere uh, beneath the, the veneer of constant activity, laziness is always close by. And if you're anything, if you're anything like me, it's not in the areas of, of work or, or family or school or, or church activities or even, even hobbies. No, it, it's not there. My laziness lives in the one area that's meant to hold all the other areas together. Most of us are spiritually lazy. And according to the words we just heard, the words of Scripture, not of Gaffigan, according to those words, this life is not for the lazy. The life that God created us for, the life that Jesus died to give us, this life is not for the lazy. And your kids, maybe they're in a million activities. You've never missed a deadline at work. You exercise five times a week. Good things, probably. One glance at your soul, 
One look at mine. Apathy. Complacency. Idolatry. Laziness. Author Eugene Peterson once said, Busyness is the enemy of spirituality. It's essentially laziness. It's doing the easy thing instead of the hard thing. It is filling our time with our own actions instead of paying attention to God's actions. A busy person is a lazy person because they are not doing what they are supposed to do. Not cool, Eugene. Not cool. But what if he's right? I mean, what, what, if, what if he's on to something there? Because, you know, our, our tendency, my tendency, is to treat Jesus more like a hobby than anything else, right? I mean, faith is, is something you do for, for Sunday mornings, when you have time, when you, when you get up on time. Uh, you know, soul care is, is something that we, we squeeze into the cracks of our exhausted lives. But the picture we're given in Hebrews... It's of a race, a race upon which everything depends, a, a race that requires all that we have and everything that we are. And it's not about just sort of adding more to our already insane schedules, okay? So everyone, sigh of relief, it's not about adding more. It's about doing the right things on our schedules and doing them in the right ways, now, it's been a couple of weeks since we've been in Hebrews, right? We took a little time, Easter and the celebration last week. But if you've been with us, over the last several months, we've learned a ton from this, this ancient sermon, right? Originally preached to these first century followers of Christ who are at risk of abandoning Jesus, of just completely giving up on faith. And so the author has spent the last 11 chapters telling us and them every which way that Jesus is better. That he really, truly is actually worth it. And he warns them about the dangers of drifting away over and over again. He warns them because he knows that it is possible for us to fake this whole Jesus thing. And to be far from God and to not even know it. And we don't want that to be true of us. And so in chapter 11, the last place we looked when we were together here in in Hebrews, uh, the author paints this picture of all those who have gone before who have come since, people who walked by faith, people like Enoch and Noah and Abraham and and Moses, imperfect people, every one of them. But they trusted the promises of God. For without faith, it is impossible to please God. And then Hebrews 12 begins. Therefore, In light of all those who have come before. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witness, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Let us run. Friends, this life is not for the lazy. And as we run through this text together this morning, we're going we're gonna to see three things primarily. That, that life is a race, not a vacation. Life requires discipline, not distraction. 
And life is about joy, not drudgery. So first, life is a race, not a vacation. And we're all like, yeah, I know, right? Captain Obvious, okay. Because I mean, whether, whether you're a Christian or not, right, that, that metaphor for life of running a race, I mean, it's a common one. We get it, we understand it. And so here he says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Sure, fine, I get it. But me? I mean, honestly, I still try to pretend most times that my life is meant to be more like a vacation than a race. I mean, if I'm honest, that's, that's how I live. And who doesn't love vacation, Right? I mean, in just a few weeks, our, our family, we're, we're headed out after school's, you know, finished uh, for our, our family vac- vacation. We're going to go camping in Colorado and then headed off to, to sunny Scottsdale. My aunt and uncle have a free place for us to stay there. It's awesome. It's perfect. Um, we're just going to eat and sleep and read and watch movies, do a few fun activities, and mostly just sit by the pool every day for an entire week. That's no, no obligations, no demands. I mean, it's kind of perfect, right? And I kind of want my life to be like that right? Not just one week a year, but, but 52. And while I know that's completely unrealistic and frankly quite destructive if we were actually to embrace that, that kind of life, and, and yet, isn't that how we live? For that next thing, right? The next day off, the next delicious meal, the next job promotion, the next major exciting purchase or, or sexual conquest or adventure or whatever next thing is out there for me to grab onto to convince myself that my life matters, that my life is worth living. And don't we structure our lives accordingly? I mean, deep down, I think we want it to be more like a vacation, don't we? Or a race. Yeah, that sounds fun. I mean, I hate running. I mean, the Latham Marathon was last weekend. Anybody? All right, anybody? Yeah, no, okay, not here. I mean, good, because seriously, right? Why would you put yourself through that kind of torture, right? I mean, running is terrible. I mean, you've seen the bumper stickers, right? The the 26.2, right? Because we're all super impressed, right? You did it. Um, Have you you seen these, though, these 0.0? I mean, seriously, because running is the worst. It's painful. It hurts. It's, it's, it's just, it's not even a little bit fun. And, and picture the scene, right? This is the metaphor that we're given for our lives. Picture the scene. You come out of the womb wearing running shorts and sweatbands with a number pinned on your chest. The crowd all around, the gun sounds, and off you run. And you run, and you run, and you run, and you run through childhood, and you run through your teenage years, you run through college, marriage, family, retirement. For 75 years, give or take, you run. And then you see the finish line off in the distance, and that is your death. And all you ever do is run. That's the metaphor we're given. I kind of want a nap just thinking about it. So yes, we, we've all heard the metaphor of, of the race and, and running and, and all of that. That's so common for many of us. But who actually lives like that? I mean, think about it. Do you live, do I live as if life is meant to be a vacation? Pleasure, leisure, comfort, safety. I mean, what do you daydream about? How do you spend your money? What do you look forward to? Or do you live as if it's meant to be a race? 
sweaty, painful, and long. Because if it is a race, and you show up in the starting block, planning to sit by the pool, not only will life be deeply disillusioning to you, but you'll also be absolutely lazy. And this life is not for the lazy. I mean, the author, he uses this metaphor here because he longs for these first century believers to run with endurance, to not give up. Remember, I mean, they're at risk of drifting and they're, they're being persecuted for crying out loud. Many start the race, but not all finish. And certainly not all finish well. And if you show up for your life expecting it to be easy, good luck. And almost all of us feel busy, right? But are we busy doing the right things? Are we busy trying to make our lives feel more like a vacation? Pursuing comfort, ease, success, pleasure? Or are we busy learning how to run? I found a fascinating article in Psychology Today. It's the lure of laziness. The feeble battle cry, I'll get around to it, is a phrase our ancestors likely never uttered. Their focus was survival in the here and now. Our focus is how to make the here and now as comfortable as possible. So what do you expect out of life? And if you're, if you're a Christian, what do you expect life with Jesus to be like? And expectations are everything. And if your goal is to be comfortable, if your highest goal for your life is to be, to be safe and to be happy, you will never change. You'll never grow. You'll never become the person that you were created to be, and you will lose the race. But, if we believe these words, if life really is a race and we we live as if it is a race, then life requires discipline, not distraction. Discipline, not distraction. But again here, I got to tell you, I love to be distracted, right? I mean, who doesn't? I I feel sometimes like the, the dog on Up, the movie Up, do you know what I'm talking about? Or no matter what, it's squirrel, right? It doesn't, it doesn't matter what it is, right? Good things can distract us. Bad things can distract us. But it doesn't matter. Any distraction can affect the way that we run this race. Viktor Frankl writes, when a person can't find a deep sense of meaning, they distract themselves with pleasure. And I would add to that, not just pleasure. We'll distract ourselves with anything. Just look around. Now, discipline, on the other hand, well, that's no fun. Right? Anything worth doing should be easy. Well, wait, it's a race, not a vacation. We covered that. So if not distraction, then, then what are the disciplines of running well? well I, I see three here. Run collectively, run simply, and run purely. If we're to run with endurance, this race set before us, we've got to run collectively. I love how these words began. If you remember, we can, we can look back uh, together. It began with this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, then run with endurance, it goes on and says. So 
you've got to kind of imagine, right? That we're not, we're not running by ourselves. And it takes discipline for us to see it, and it takes discipline for us actually to live it. It's as if, it's as if, as if our race is about to begin. And just sort of imagine it, right? And, the, and in the stands watching, watching you run, cheering you on, it's people, right, from chapter 11, people like Abraham and Moses and David and Esther and, and on into the, the New Testament, right? People like Peter and Paul and Mary, which talking about the disciples, right, not the, not the folk band, uh, cheering us on and, and Augustine, Martin Luther, John Calvin, Jonathan Edwards, William Wilberforce, Harriet Tubman, C.S. Lewis, James Sorrell, people who have ran the race and who have finished well and finished strong, standing there. You may not know all those names, that's okay, but these are some of my, my heroes of faith. And it's as if they're in the stands cheering us on. They've got the, the banners outstretched. Run, Nathan, run. Don't give up. Don't give in. Run as if your life depends on it. Cheering us. Let me give a little example of this. Um, about three years ago, um, I've shared some of this with you before. I was at a point just sort of edging near burnout uh, in a lot of ways. Um, and... Kelly can vouch, most of our conversations ended up somehow with us talking about what else I could do if I wasn't going to be a pastor anymore. Obviously, we didn't come up with anything because I'm still... <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. That was in the past. I've moved through it. I love, I love what I do and where I do it. Uh, but this was a really tough time for me, honestly. Um, and at, at that point, I don't know how I picked it or, or how I even stumbled onto it, but I started reading uh, the biography of a, of a German pastor named Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Uh, maybe, maybe you've heard of him, maybe you haven't, but Bonhoeffer uh, was one of the few pastors, really one of the few Christians who resisted the Nazis in Germany during World War II. And he had a chance to, to move to America before the war began, uh, but he stayed, he led an underground seminary, he encouraged the, the true believers that were left there in Germany, this, this country just tattered by so much evil, Right? Um, and he, he lived there su- su- supporting them, encouraging these, these folks despite terrible odds. And he ended up uh, executed in a concentration camp two weeks before the end of the war. 39 years old, engaged to be married, absolutely brilliant. And reading his story, I mean, here, here's a person who ran well, who actually believed and lived that, that Jesus is worth it. That he's, he's better, that he's worth any sacrifice, any, any danger for his sake. And I said to myself, Nathan, you're kind of a whiner, you know? And honestly, even in that moment, that really encouraged, encouraged me. I mean, it, it showed me once again, life is not meant to be a vacation. Life with Jesus is not meant to be easy, but it's worth it. Of course it's hard, it's a race. But just look at who's already made it. And so who are you looking to? Who's cheering you on? And who will you cheer on? And you know, it doesn't, it doesn't just have to be those who've died, right? Who's, who've already passed on. This, this cloud of witnesses being talked about. I mean, you're not alone on this race. Who are you running with? Man, I, I hope you're in a community group. 
I, I hope you've got people in your life that you are running alongside and running with together, not trying to, to run it on your own. You can't do it. I mean, it's sort of like, like drafting when you're cycling. Um, I hate running, but I love, I love cycling. And, and drafting is one of the most amazing things. If you don't know what it is, it looks kind of like this. I'm sure you, you've seen it, right? Uh, where, where cyclists sort of line up in this line, and their tires are literally inches apart. Uh, and if you've ever done it, been in that, that spot, it's, just, it's an amazing experience because uh, experts say that you save like up to 40% of your energy um, by riding behind somebody else. Because it creates a sort of, of sort of wind tunnel, right? And you just sort of zoom through. And that's, that's kind of the picture that we have of what, what community ought to be for us. I mean, why would, you, why would you run this race by yourself? It's too hard. It's too exhausting. It's way too brutal. So who are you drafting behind? And who is, is drafting behind you? We've got to do this race together. We have to if we're going to make it. Well, not only do we discipline ourselves by running collectively, we also do so by running simply. Running simply. Let me read again. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run. Now, I've read this passage many times in my, in my life, and I've always focused on sort of that last part, right? The sin which clings so closely. And, and that's important. We'll get there. But I think it was this, this week, maybe for the first time, I really, really noticed that's not all that he, he points out that we should let go of. He also talks about the weights, right? Uh, the baggage, the, the distractions, what, whatever it is, sin or not, he's saying, lay those things aside so that we can run simply, run better. And certainly, I don't, I don't know what those things are for you, right? Those things that distract you from running, from growing, from, from following Jesus. I can tell you some of mine. Um, you know, TV and movies, maybe, right? Moderation, sure. But are they a distraction for me? Or what about the internet? Sometimes. Maybe for some of you, social media, right? Perhaps. Particular hobby? Food? I mean, man, I can schedule my whole life around a good meal, right? And let's go back to busyness. That might be the, the biggest one for most of us. We're not very good at running simply, are we? I mean, how many kids activities do your kids need to be in, really? Um, how many projects should you take on? And do you really need to work so much? I mean, maybe you do, okay? But could it be, maybe, just maybe, that you're working so much because you're trying to make your life just a little bit more like a vacation through success, money, image? What are the weights you need to lay aside See, I was always the fat kid. Um, seriously, I was kind of huge growing up. Um, and as a result, I hated, I hated exercise. I mean, it was just painful. And in college, I, I started to, to get serious about health, and I started running and lifting weights. And it was, I mean, it was terrible, absolutely painful. I mean, I, I weighed 260 at the time. Um, I lost 80 pounds. It's like a whole small person that I'd been carrying around. Um, and until I began to lose the weight, any of this, it was, it was terrible to tr- even try to do it. And yet as the weight began to, to be, be put aside, right, to be lost, to be gone, it actually got to the point where I actually enjoyed it. I mean, I, it went from being one of the most awful thing in my life, period, to something that I would look forward to, even, even running. And, and for many of us, a simple next step 
from this morning is to look at our calendars and to look at our to-do lists and ask the question, is this a necessity or is this a distraction? Put your calendar on a diet for a while. I, I can't tell you what that is for you, but I guarantee much of, your bus- much of my busyness is probably little more than distraction, which is laziness in disguise. And we kind of look like Fat Nathan trying to learn to run, right? It's not, it's not pretty. If, if we're going to run, we've got to lay things down. Good things, probably. Hard choices, no doubt. That's why it's called discipline. But don't make this life any harder than it already is any harder than it needs to be. So what, what do you need to shed? And third, third here, as we move from distraction to discipline, we need to run purely. And we've talked about this a lot throughout Hebrews, so we're not going to spend as much time here this morning, but this, is, this is points to our, our desperate need to run away from, from sin, right? He, he says, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run. And we, we know how sin clings closely, don't we? I mean, many of us... Probably even just hearing that instantly, you know the sins that are clinging closely in your life, don't you? I think many of us probably do. And the word for, for clinging here, or, or easily ensnaring, depending on, on the translation you have, I mean, it ought to conjure up some pretty stark images, right? Of someone, you trying to run, right? Somebody grabbing onto your legs and holding, holding tight. I mean, that's, that's sort of what sin does as we run. Or, or chasing after us, right? Trying to trip us, trying to, to push us down. That's sin in our life. And if life is a race, if anything is going to stop us, sin has that power if we let it. So what are the sins that slow you down? What are they? And do you run to them or do you run from them? Kevin DeYoung writes, Holiness is plain hard work. And we're often lazy. We like our sins. And dying to them is painful. Almost everything is easier than growing in godliness. Or back to the article from Psychology Today. It says, accomplishing practically anything today means overcoming the need for instant gratification. And while these tips are, are helpful, and, and, and certainly we need to run collectively, run simply, run purely, and yet you and I, we both know that these aren't enough, Right? I mean, don't we? I mean, we know that these aren't enough for us to be able to win the race. And the author knows it as well. Because yes, life is a race, not a vacation. It requires discipline, not distraction. But we need something more, don't we? Because I'm lazy. And this life is not for the lazy. I need something that, that will motivate me to run my heart out. And there's only one way that it's possible. You have to believe that this life that we're called to, is about joy, not drudgery. Joy, not drudgery. This life of running, of pursuing Jesus above everything else, is for our highest joy, both now, in this moment, and forever. And if you don't think that Jesus is better you don't think that he's worth it, then, then of course you're not going to run. I mean, why, why would you, right? Why would you expend that kind of effort, people? This is, this is why faith is so necessary. And I know that, that for some of us, it, it sort of sounds, what I'm saying here about this life, 
being for our joy, it sort of sounds like a personal trainer trying to explain to an out-of-shape person how good it feels to exercise, right? Because it doesn't, right? If you're out of shape, it feels terrible. Just as we said, it's, it's a horrible feeling. And I mean, I remember back, back in, in those earlier days, back in college, people saying, oh, exercise, I love it, it's great, it feels so good, it makes me so happy, and I just wanted to punch them, right? Because it doesn't when you're in that spot. And so for some of us, that's, that's how we feel, and yet by faith, for me in that moment, I trusted that it was actually better. And I started to exercise, and it It hurt. It was horrible. And it still stinks some of the time. And yet now, by this point, you know, over a decade later, I can't even imagine my life without it. And so how much more this race that we're on? And if you're spiritually lazy, flabby, then there's, just, there's a chance you might not believe anything of what I've been saying. It just, you know, maybe it just seems too hard, too far-fetched, too good to be true. Well, if that's the case, then, I mean, don't, don't take my word for it, okay? Look what it says. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And here's the why, here's the how, here's everything. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. He is the only way this life is possible. And frankly, he, he is the only way that this life is, is even desirable because you and I, we are lousy runners. But Jesus ran it perfectly for us. And he's the founder of this race. He, he's the one who, who put us on this path in the first place. And he is, he is the perfecter of this race, the one who promises to see his children through to the end, through to the finish line. So maybe... Maybe another simple next step this morning. If life is a race, then why not spend time or more time or even just a little time, right, with the one person who's run it perfectly? Why not? And I, I know maybe that, maybe that sounds weird to some of you, I mean, particularly if, if you're here and you uh, aren't a believer, right? You don't, you don't follow Jesus or claim that, to believe this stuff. I, I really, that probably feel, sounds just strange. Like, what does it mean to get to know somebody you, you can't even see, right? Um, or, or maybe not even sure that you believe in. I get, I get that. Um, but whether or not you're a Christian, as you take things off of your schedule, how can you make sure this finds a place? I mean, what, what might that even look like? I, mean, I think for many of us, it, it begins like by, by daily reminding ourselves who we are and who our God is. And, and for me, and I think probably for, for many of us who do this, it, it comes through spending time in this book that, that God has given us, right? His words to us. And again, it's, I know it's an intimidating book. If you're new to this book, maybe, maybe start in one of the Gospels, John or Mark. Just begin reading to, to find out who this God is and pray. Talk to him. Try, try, to, try to just spend time in quiet, trying to, to hear from him. And I, again, I know it feels strange, especially if it's, if it's not a habit of yours, but it's a necessary next step for many of us. Also, attend church regularly. I mean, this is what we do, right? We look to Jesus together. Join a community group. Be, be in relationship with, with other believers, looking to him to, together. These are our exercises, right? This here, this is our gem. It's, it's what we do. And just look how Jesus ran. For the joy, he endured the cross. 
And I struggle to even get my mind around that, right? I mean, how could all that he suffered have been for his joy? Because he knew. He didn't come to earth for a vacation, but to run a race and to win that race. And he knew that any, any pain was worth it, for in his pain we are rescued. Jesus believed it was worth it. Any self-denial, any agony, any disappointment worth it for the sake of doing his Father's will and for providing a way for us to be brought safely through to the end. And all we have to do is trust him, to give, give our lives to him, for he won the race. That's what we celebrated together on Easter morning. And it says here, he is seated at the right hand of God. That's a picture of of victory, right? He is there. He is the finish line for us. For the joy set before him is the joy set before us. So look to him, he says. If you want joy, I mean, and who doesn't, right? If you want joy, run. Run. And And I'm not just talking about joy for, you know, somewhere way down the future, right? Like after we die or something like that. Joy for now. I mean, that's what, that's what Jesus promises, that, that this life of joy, it begins now and is offered to each of us as we seek him and follow him. Joy for today. And there, there's joy. If you, want, if you want joy, run with discipline, not distraction. I mean, chances are you know that those distractions aren't filling you up anyway. I mean, we, we run after them. I still run after them. And yet I know the disappointment that follows by pursuing them. If you want joy, look to Jesus. There he stands at the finish line, eager to welcome us, eager to celebrate there with us. Friends, this life is not for the lazy. So let us run. Run. 